Thoughts. And welcome to Swing Thoughts. The uh, golf mental process performance podcast. Uh, my name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. You know, that uh, thing that's still on the radio. That's the number one question I get asked. Hey, when can I hear you? Oh, uh, tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah, I forgot about you guys. Uh, anyway, uh, glad to be here with you and uh, with my friend Tim O'Connor, who is the uh, mental performance coach of the Glen Abbey Golf Academy and the head coach of the Guelph Griffins golf team. Mr. O'Connor, as always, a pleasure to make uh, golf, you know, chat with you. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But you know what? You're more than a golf acquaintance. You know, those people at my golf club I see, you're my golf friend. Yeah, man. And you mean so much to me in that golf and everything way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, we're golf friends. We're more than just golf friends. We're friends. And uh, let's just thank our sponsors, TaylorMade. Uh, We'll get to TaylorMade in a second. Adidas. I put on the uh, yesterday, and and it's, it's funny how just after Labor Day, it's like, I don't know, but at your golf club, but all of a sudden you start seeing people's uh, pants again. <laughs> exactly. It's like pants season. Uh, this week I was wearing the Addy Pure uh, golf trousers, and I uh, felt very professional. Yes. Did they have, did they have a, a nice crisp crease? Uh, they were creaseless, uh, but very fashionable, I'm told. Uh, as well, of course, Bushnell, the rangefinder. And uh, the reason I wanted to save TaylorMade, of course, everyone knows about the drivers, the uh, twist face technology, but we uh, received a little TaylorMade ambassador gift uh, this week. Yeah, it was kind of like a Christmas gift. It came in a nice little box, had this um, um, oh, lovely little wrapping that went around it. And when I opened it, there was lovely, well, I'm colorblind. I think <laughs> white and red or pink and red. I don't know. Uh, what do you call, uh, tissue. And it was just lovely. And there was an amazing mill grind wedge. Very, very nice. Yeah, I have a, I, I took it out to the range the other day. I was going to go uh, work on some short game. And I said, oh, I'll just take it out. And, and it, it for, for you older men and women that remember this, there's sort of a, there was a time, where some wedges came out and they had sort of a cross-hatched or thatched design on the face. And that's what these look like they have. But I would tell you, if you're looking for some more zip and some more spin... Spinorama? uh, Yeah, and and it doesn't matter whether you know how to create it or not. Uh, This will definitely help you. The tailor-made milled grind wedges. And so thank you very much to them. Yeah, what's cool about those wedges, too, is that they, they rust over time, and that's totally natural. Exactly. And- like men and women. Like <laughs> golfers, we rust over time. Uh, thanks to everyone listening on TSN Radio, Hamilton, 1150, our home this summer. And I know the um, the tie Cats are broadcast on this station, and we couldn't wait. We wish everyone well. And, of course, the big sports buzz in Canada is this young Canadian woman, Bianca... I don't know. She got to the. Uh, she's getting to the the finals. <laughs> you know, you're not taking the risk with the pronunciation. Well, I just because I don't have her. Do you have her last name? Andrescu. Thank you. So she just won her set against uh, an opponent. I think a Swedish opponent, and now she's going to take on Serena Williams in the final. And it's amazing, you know the this. I love that about our country how we just swell with pride when somebody 
uh, of our own, whether it's Brooke Henderson or in this case Bianca. And I love the hashtags. We she the North already. I love oh, that. All that stuff. It's I great, love all yeah. that, man. I know, Why we've, not? We've advanced beyond being proud that Neil Young had a number one hit in the United States. I yeah, we've done really some good. stuff. Yeah, we're Canadian. Uh, on the show today, George McNamara. George McNamara is a friend of yours and a very good friend of our friend, Fred Shoemaker. So that's how we know George. And George uh, works out of a place in Honeybrook, Pennsylvania, known as the Golf Zone. He's a PGA master professional. And, you know, at the teaching level, you get to master professional. Very few people do, but we've had a few of them on the show. Hebron, for sure. Shoemaker, for sure. And now McNamara who's been working with some very fine players, including Timothy O'Connor. Yeah, it'll be fun. We've been working with each other um, through the magic of V1, taking those videos, drawing the lines on them, sending them via email. It's so high tech. You know, I just, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it's it, the funny thing is it's, you know, it's so high tech if you're 62. It's not, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, know. you know, like, when you're our age, it's a high tech. Look at these phones taking pictures. Um, it looked like I could do a line on everything. <laughs> you know, when we first started golfing, all they had was Polaroids, and people took a magic marker and said, you see where the plane of your swing is here? Well, I'm going to take some more pictures, and when they come back in three months, we'll look at them again. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll get these developed. <laughs> I was uh, lucky enough uh, this week. You know, one of the joys of doing this show, and I, I would say this sincerely, was, is, of course, getting to know you and having golf you know, geek out discussions with you, whether it's doing the show or not. But another advantage, a benefit is some of the people we get to talk to, like George McNamara today, but also we get to talk to them away from the show. And let's be let's be frank. I mean, it really is, you know, our access to people like Fred Shoemaker and Dr. Ed Collin, uh, who I bought, I got to talk to both of them this week. That's you awesome. know, it, it, it was so great. And maybe if we have a little time, we can talk a little about some of the stuff that you know, not so much with Shoemaker, because Fred Shoemaker and I and our conversations are very more general, less specific in terms of, you know, tournament prep, but very interesting and maybe germane to some of the stuff we're going to talk about with you today. But uh, I had a chance to, to talk to both of them this week in, in preparation for next week's uh, Canadian Men's Senior Championship. Uh, at Cedar Bray Golf Course here in Toronto. And, uh, yeah, so it was kind of cool talking to them in advance of playing an event. As Ontario's 27th-ranked 27th ranked senior. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's funny because the other, the other night we had a – on our men's night, we had a, a match at between Glen, a bunch of at us. Glen Karen. At Glen Karen. So we had a match with uh, a bunch of friends. So one of them was Tim Southcott, who won – who was second place – in the Ontario Seniors last year. The other one was Paul Gortner, who has been a perennial top 10 mid-amateur in Canada. And the other one was the second-ranked amateur in the country, Charles Fitzsimmons. Oh, wow. And I can tell you. What a uh, gathering. Oh, it was. Immortals. <laughs> it was something else, boy. There was a lot of nonsense in that group that night. But I would tell you, between the four of us, so Charles and I are better ball partners, and we took on Paul and Tim, who are also better ball partners. We won two and one, so it was very close. Charles and I made nine birdies. Holy, that's a stack uh, of birdies. But I, so he birdies. made five birdies, I made four, and an eagle. Ooh. 
And Gortner made four and Tim made three. So it was pretty, it was fun. But you know that kind of thing where it's fun, but also intense? Exactly. Absolutely. And it really was. It was something to see because we were all playing well. In the end, uh, the scores were also very low. Uh, but I will tell you, it was a really fun night. Combining, and this is, uh, I bring it up for a couple of reasons because we're going to segue into uh, today's uh, meet. Um, it was fun. It was intense. But it was the kind of competition that, you know, not all of us have played other events this year. Charles, you know, won the Canadian Mid-Am, the Canadian University. You know, we've all played other events. But this was a chance for us to play together. And you could just tell, you know, sometimes when a, a group isn't playing well, everyone doesn't play well, right? That's right. But early on, everyone seemed to be kind of firing on. And I think because I sort of set it up like our better ball team against your better ball team. And uh, it worked out great. It was a beautiful night. We all had fun. And it's, yeah, sure, it seems to be easier in golf to have fun when it's going well. But I can tell you, there was once, I started the back nine. Uh, and this this will get to some of the stuff that Ed Collin and I talked about, which is patience and impatience. He said you have to have patience when you're playing, you know, when, when things aren't going well, but you need to be impatient to play well. And I said, here's a perfect example. I start the back nine, bogey birdie, bogey eagle, double bogey birdie. I'd played six holes and hadn't made a par, and I was, <laughs> and I was even par. But I just kept birdieing every other hole. Anyway... The point of it all is that uh, competition is different than regular golf, but this was kind of a hybrid where it was with some Absolutely. of my my best golf buddies, but it was very competitive. I just want to, I, I just want you to get to elaborate on impatient to play well. Does that like, like one part of me goes, oh gosh, I hope I, uh, you know, I play really well. I'm going to try hard, but I don't really think that's what you're getting at, is it? Well, um, I can tell you very briefly what it what it means is, you know, a lot of times golfers play to not play bad, to not look bad, to not be embarrassed, to play to not show up, to not, you know, you, you know, ruffle any golf feather. You know what I mean? It's like we not I, embarrass I, myself, not off embarrass the myself by duffing it or something, right? Yeah. And, and whatever level you're at, I think a lot of people can relate to the idea that sometimes we play golf in a defensive manner. It doesn't really oh, yeah. tweak our spirit. We don't feel free during the game. We feel more <laughs> uh, contracted, constricted inside, scared, scared. Yeah. And uh, and he said to me, and we've talked a lot about this, uh, Doctor Ed and I about. He said at your handicap level, right now my handicap is one point four. He said you you hit. A lot of, as he calls them, world-class golf shots. So you should be impatient to make scores. Like, like on, I get on a short. He said, when you get on a short par four, you should be thinking birdie from the tee. When you get on a par five, you know you can reach. You th- you should be thinking, how do I make four on this hole? Where and that's a, I'll tell you. I know it seems stupid, but I've played a lot of my golf, like a lot of people listening, not trying to get a, not trying to. Not trying to hit great shots, just trying not to hit bad ones. And that's what he was referring to. Is that like uh, someone has a really good score going, they have a chance to make a career score or something, and, you know, they're on the 15th team, they go, oh, don't mess this up. You know, let's just par in from here or something. It it is, but it's you're, you're sort of right. But what it really means for the average everyday golf experience is this. 
it's the idea of intending to do something as opposed to preventing something. Exactly. Well, I think Mo Norman talked about people play in a state of hope and fear. Exactly. So so they, you know, they make some birdies and they go, well, the the better attitude would be, I hope I make more birdies. I hope I make more birdies. And and I can tell you that what's what's held me back as a tournament player um, is always playing to not play poorly and to not be embarrassed and to not be all those things we mentioned because those are legitimate emotions that come up in the everyday playing of golf but what ed said to me and he works with a lot of european players and he and he says you should be impatient and because when when you make those bogeys you got to be patient you know i I could have gotten on this great run but i kept make i kept bogeying every other hole at one point Mm -hmm. i double bogeyed a hole but i got up and i birdied the next hole because i said okay that's done now let's go birdie some more holes and what it's done is it's just that mindset of when I get a chance to make a birdie, you know, as opposed to trying to, you know, get the ball close so I make a par. I mean, you know, given a reason, yeah. you know, be to, within reason, if you have a downhill, you know, 20-footer that breaks three ways. I'm just talking about, you know, you get a 12-foot putt uphill. I used to just have this mindset of, oh, I'll just cozy it up there and have a little tap-in par. But I can sink a three-footer if I miss it. Yeah. So I've made. I've just started to make a lot more birdies. And yeah. So I think what we're yeah, that's such a great mindset for you to get into. And so and I do see it as freeing. And I think for the average golfer, it's it's kind of like going for what you want as opposed yes. to going for what you don't want. I mean, I this analogy I use all the time is that you don't go into the grocery store and go down the aisle. Well, don't want that. Don't want that. <laughs> don't want that. You no, go for true. what you want, and it's just such a more positive mindset to be a better energy all that stuff it's it, it's kind of like positive expectations and moving to and, and that's really i think what we're seeking in this game and all that we do is 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 let's find out what we're capable right. of instead of let's not screw this up it's moving towards something as yes. opposed to moving away from it right. you know fred shoemaker i'm not sure if it was in a conversation with me or our friend carl morris who by the way is a great podcast uh, brain booster i think or mind mind factor yep. so um but but fred says you know sometimes people don't want to say where they're trying to hit a shot like you know like i call my shots every shot maybe not out loud but in my head and oh, he said, yeah. the reason most people don't do that is because they're afraid if they say i'm gonna hit it toward that bunker and cut it well then what if it doesn't do that <laughs> well so what exactly you still You're have to have, golf man it's like it's like if you and i were playing uh you know i don't know i use the, the analogy of tossing paper in a wastebasket it's like i'm gonna try and toss it in that wastebasket as opposed to i'm just gonna throw it over there somewhere <laughs> and see exactly. if it yeah. gets well that that's all you know when you talk about i'm going to cut it off that bunker you're going through you're you're saying what you want but you're right. also in many ways you're, you're you're visualizing what's going to happen and that's a key for anything is what's the target and how do i get there and then the body knows oh yeah wants to go there as opposed to oh please dear lord don't hit it in the water which your body interprets that, oh, this goof wants me to hit it in the water. Exactly. Because that's what you're visualizing. So that's kind of where I'm at, and that's a little bit of the prep I've done. And and I wanted to, just to lay some groundwork here, um, you know, that, that tournament golf is tough. Golf is a difficult sport, it, and it, it just brings up so much stuff. Um, we've talked about it on the show. I, you know, I've gone through a lot of you know my trials and tribulations, and uh, so have you. And um, 
We've got about, uh, I'm going to say about nine minutes left in this opening, and then this will be great because then George McNamara is going to join us, and George and you have started working together on your golf swing. And, and, and recently, things haven't been going so great for our friend Tim as a golfer. And so the other Sigh. day... What's that? Sigh. The other day, uh, I guess it was three nights ago... Uh, at nine oh seven a.m. No, when did I get? When did I get mine? Oh, it was four nights. Two, yeah, two nights ago in the afternoon. I get this email. You copied me on the email you gave George. Now George is not only a master PGA professional; he's also an extraordinary golf, you know, guy uh, who they we, they see the golf in a different way. So there was a, there's a lot in this email that is technical, and some of it, a lot of it, is just uh, emotional. And so I don't, it, the, the email is quite long. And I, I said to Tim in a, in a response, I, I really felt honored that you would share this stuff with me because it's a lot of it's pretty raw stuff, but just goes to show you the depth of feeling that this, this ridiculous game brings up. And there's George McNamara. George will join us uh, in about, uh, we got about seven more minutes in this segment, but maybe George can listen while we're setting this up. So maybe you can start by saying, Tim, when did you first notice that, <laughs> ca- that, that golf had turned into chaos again? And why didn't you tell me sooner? <laughs> well, I've been, um, yeah, for about the past month, I, I just found that my golf game was like all over the place. It was veering from, from hitting, you know, these, what I call my, my dead left shot, which just comes out of nowhere and results in like instant double bogey. And, you know, I usually, that doesn't usually bother me too much, but it was starting to really bother me. Um, so I was working on some stuff with George um, to kind of work with that a bit, but going into rounds, um, I was really not thinking mechanically. I, I, I know having done this work long enough that that doesn't work, but I would veer from hitting these terrible shots, sometimes even cold tops, to hitting some of the best shots of my life. I'm not kidding. Just solid. Um, yeah, nice distance, but trajectory and just that solid feel, like and like soft draws and all that kind of good stuff. And But it would just be so inconsistent. And on Saturday morning, I went out just – I was just going to – you know, in our league at Blue Springs, I was just going to have a good time. And I was, my intention was not to really try to do anything right, just to swing and just let the game kind of come to me. And I, you know, I just started in four of my first eight holes, I hit the ball dead left and I ended up making a 46, which isn't a, a big deal. But what I was aware of is that about from the fifth hole onwards, I was in a state of, I would say, close to rage. I'm not kidding. I couldn't let go of it. I just had this anger. Uh, I was walking fast, talking fast. I was like the, you know, the pouting golfer. I was like 14 years old again, and I couldn't let go of it. And it it was just weird. I have not been in that kind of state for, I will say, years and years, and, and just... You know, I kind of chilled out a bit in the back nine, but I drove home. I, I was aware that I was driving faster than I usually do. I was slamming my car door, the cupboards. I got home, and I put on the loudest, noisiest song I could find, Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good for you, and, hip old guy. Yeah, and it was like, oh my, it, it was just odd, oh, a crazy state. And uh, so I don't, I'll leave it there for now, but that's what happened to me. Well, let me read, if you don't mind. Yeah. A couple of the things, because, you know, Tim's a very good writer, and uh, this this email is uh, rife with some just beautiful stuff for for, for people listening. And at, at one point, Tim says, on Saturday, I thought, that's it. That's the last game this year. I can't stand it. This is a guy, and the reason I love this, by the way, not to, it's not... Not to jump on it, it's to show people that even somebody that spends their day uh, t- helping others, you know, find their way through this minefield. And myself, I, I mean, I think about almost nothing else nearly as much as I do golf. You, you, you know, you're just a human being. You are subject to all these things that the rest of us go through. You know, you're no different. Um, and when I saw that part of your email i was like wow like you know that's that's somebody who loves the game but hates the game so but okay i asked you at the beginning when did you first notice it and the reason i want to bring in the sort of the link to george is that you started working on your game and you were you were working on your golf swing and and maybe george can comment when we come back that Sometimes, and in my experience, that sometimes when we start working on our swing again, because you you really hadn't done that for a while, what it does is it subconsciously raises some expectations. I'm just putting that out there. Mm -hmm. And when you raise expectations, then then it goes back to this thing. I don't know if you remember I wrote this years ago about the golf four agreements of golf, and one of the four agreements, one of my four agreements was golf doesn't owe you anything. It's not. It's not time. It's not payback time. You could practice every day, uh, leading up to Saturday, and you could still play crappy because one has nothing to do with the other. But subconsciously, do you feel maybe? And to take a, a, the last couple of minutes, answer this by: Did you start to feel like maybe you would expect at some point to play better? Oh, I think you're you're really onto something there. Um, particularly because of what I was seeing in terms of of this ball flight. I was getting this solid contact. It was like, holy cow. You know, I was just hitting the ball so great. And it was such a, uh, it was kind of like, oh, wow. Uh, you know, I've, I've hit the, I've had lots of spells through my golf career where I've hit the ball really well. But it, I just seem to be on a different level of, of, of really enjoying solid hit. So, Maybe I had kind of felt in an unconscious way it kind of crossed the line, moved forward in my game. That what I was seeking, I'd finally crossed the abyss. I, I had made this leap that I'd been yearning for. You know, all golfers are looking for this. You know, what's the what what's the threshold I finally cross when I get this game and all that? And I, I think that I kind of was deluded into that. And that what happened was is I was just fell face first into the reality that no one masters this game and that I would still hit these shots that would every once in a while be just like in the, you know, in the chaos of, of competition, these old habits would still come up. It's like, Oh my God, really still? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that really it, it wasn't a matter of, of expectations, but perhaps at a, at a subconscious level. Well, and, and, and I think we all have had those moments where you think, wow, I, I, I have it or I get it on the range or I get it for a couple holes. 
But, and, and you know this as well as anyone, that's not really getting it. How your no. golf swing and mechanics show up on the range has nothing to do, you know, my little bit about how every first tee should have the sign that says past performance is no guarantee of future results. And that past well, performance, yeah. that past performance can be the swing you just made. It has nothing to do with the shot you're, you're about to hit. And I can tell you from somebody that tried the re- re- repeat a drill uh, method for a hundred thousand reps and still didn't get any better until I realized that, you know, my mechanics has nothing to do with my ability to score a golf ball. Anyway, we're going to take a break. George McNamara is standing by. Uh, it's going to be great to hear his thoughts because uh, he's heard some of this. He also has a technical expertise as well as a a real insight into how human beings learn things and how maybe he can put this connection together for Tim and others uh, about how to take all of that to the field of play because you know we've all had rounds of golf where our good stuff wasn't there and yet our score was and other times when we're really hitting it but we can't seem to get the ball in the hole so brother tim thank you for sharing that with us uh, You're welcome. Thanks for inquiring. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna. And get, thanks for and thanks for caring. Oh my gosh! I thought, honestly, <laughs> I, I wanted to drive to Guelph and just give you a big golf hug. Sweet man. Uh, this is Swing Thoughts. We're uh, on TSN. Of course, you can also download past shows on <coughs> iTunes, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the show here on TSN 1150 Hamilton. Boy, what a uh, great honor it is to be part of the TSN family and the Bell Radio Network. Uh, I'm Humble Howard. Tim O'Connor's here. This is Swing Thoughts, brought to you by TaylorMade, Adidas, and Bushnell Range Finders. Uh, making a return to our program, he's a devotee of extraordinary golf, and he's had an extraordinary golf career he is uh, a master professional, a PGA master professional from America, uh, teaching out of Honeybrook, Pennsylvania, and the Golf Zone. Uh, George McNamara, what a pleasure to um, have you back. Thank you, Howard. Uh, I know you were, uh, I could see the, on the screen, you were listening for the last four or five minutes with uh, myself and Tim. Uh, just to reset for the audience, you know, Tim's been, goes through, what, uh, listen, we've all gone through it. You know, you, you have some... You feel like your game's improving, and then you take it out to the field, and then chaos happens because, you know, it's whether it's a tournament or just your regular round, it, it, when we start to build up some expectations, George, all of a sudden we detach from, you know, or we, we get attached to results and detach from the present. So hearing what Tim and I were just talking about, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I read the letter a couple times. It was uh, quite a letter, and it's obvious Tim can really write. Um, to put those thoughts into words is, is, a, is a real talent. So uh, certainly something positive came out of what happened. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's something he'll probably always keep and maybe look back on. So if you just go back uh, for a couple of months, I, I first, uh, Tim approached me a couple of months ago about a couple of things in his golf swing, and uh Tim, through a series of videos, recognized a couple things that were in his swing that we call blind spots, things that happened that 
he had no idea it was happening. And he began to experience those blind spots. Um, it was interesting that, that uh, the first first take at the blind spot was he was very surprised at the way he was set up. He was surprised at the swing path, plane of the swing. And he began to experience those. The problem is it takes a while to make changes in one's golf swing. And changes don't necessarily happen like we think. We think about the range with 10 buckets of balls and all of a sudden it's changed. What's well, not? Uh, neuroscience says that it takes a period of time. You know, you have, you have uh, neurons and synaptic connectors, and uh, there has to be a certain amount of repetitions to, uh, to create a, a, a connection that is sustainable. The key word is sustainable. Anybody can make changes. We all make changes. Very few of us make sustainable changes. And I believe that's what Tim is going through. Uh, if you go forward a little bit, about a month later, we contact him again. I said, I think you got this. Take a look at this. And then all of a sudden, he was on to the next thing. Before, really, he was even uh, completed the connection on the first thing. So it, it takes some time. It takes, you know, it's not, uh, it's, but it can be fun. I mean, it's, it's the learning process. Fred told me one time, Fred Shoemaker told me one time that he worked for one year in his garage to distinguish one inch of swing plane at the top of the swing. One year for one inch. That means he spent time in his garage trying to notice, hey, I feel the club is there, but no, it's there by an inch. Now, none of us are going to do that. I mean, Fred's got a lot of time, and I appreciate, you know, appreciate him doing that. None of us are going to take the time to do that. And one inch doesn't really matter in the whole realm of things. But the context of that is it takes time for awareness. It takes time for changes. And if you think you're going to put a little bit of work in over a period of time, and all of a sudden, here I am, I'm going to go play uh, in a tournament, and it's going to all be there for you, you are mistaken. Uh, if it was that easy, the game wouldn't be as much fun. And uh, it, it's a complicated game, um, but fun game. And a learning, a learning process is really cool. And I think that's what you take out of it, the learning process. If, if I had played as badly as Tim played on that day and got as frustrated, I would look at, to see what could I learn from it. Where was I? What was my state of mind? I mean, he, he mentioned that he was, his intention was to simply go out and uh, not think about anything when he, when he swung. You know, that's a pretty tough, uh, pretty tough thing because there's a, there's a lot of, you could be bombarded on the golf course by, you know, lots of external stimuli. There's cart girls, there's lakes, and there's creeks, and there's people. And there's, so to go out and say, you know, I'm just going to go out and, and uh, not think about anything and just go swing, it's very difficult. Well, if I may, before Tim responds, tell you, like, you know, uh, when you said who would sit in their garage for a year for one inch of swing plane, I don't know if you saw, I pointed to myself. You know, when when my kids moved out of this house I'm in right now, I turned one of their bedrooms into something we call golf lab. So trust me. But but I can also tell you from somebody that has worked on his swing, his game, that you're right, George, that improvement is so insidious. It's You don't even notice it, but it's what you're doing along the way. And Tim, I just want to read something you wrote. And, and this is where I, I really think in, in all of this letter, the, the, the O'Connor Manifesto, I think ah. the, um, for me, George, this was the, the sentence. Tim wrote, he says, I cannot deny that I find myself thinking from time to time. And this is everyone's going to relate to this. He says, I can't deny I find myself thinking from time to time. Eventually, I'll click over a threshold and I'll be forever the effortless player who hits it solid. I'll make those occasional rounds of low to mid-70s the norm rather than the exception. And that, to me, is everything 
that is, I think, at least my opinion, fueling your ennui about the game. What do you think? Tim. Yeah, what what I'm connecting is that what happens, what I think what happens to me is I default to old patterning. I mean, I know through through all the coaching I've done, the, the workshops I've attended, my own experience, it, it, what George is saying is absolutely true. I know this logically, yeah. that when a golfer gets some new information, it takes time to, you know, that's just part of what you learn through 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 doing this type of work that I do. However, as you said, I'm a human being and I defaulted to old patterning and beliefs. And the old patterning is that I want to move to something, I want to make it happen. So I'll do that through through trying and putting new information in, into play. And that just doesn't it just doesn't work like that. The world doesn't work from a place of New information and logic, it's based on so much is based on habitual patternings, belief systems, and, and stuff that's at work, and, and, and blind spots. So the piece that comes up for me every once in a while is if I do this thing right, I'll be a better writer, I'll be a better business person, and I'll be a better golfer. And life doesn't work like that. Nope. Well, suppose, Tim, there is no right. You know? I mean, yeah. you're saying if I... Right. If there's a way of doing this that's right, that would mean that you're doing it wrong. I mean, it's that's not the case. My guess is, you know, when we first talked, we, we, you mentioned your swing plane. We, we mentioned your setup and then your swing plane. And then the second video you sent me, the swing plane was amazingly different. But I'd be willing to bet you that if you took a picture of your swing right now, when you move on to something else, your swing plane goes back to where it was originally. Right. That's yep. just what you got because you really haven't, you really haven't sustained swing plane before you're moving on to the next. I mean, could you be satisfied with messing with your setup in a way that's, that's natural to you? And then just hang with swing plane for a while. Just hang with it. Don't move on to something else right away. Hang with swing plane so you know you can do it without thinking about doing it then sustainable. That's the only way it's sustainable. If you're thinking about doing something in golf, it is not sustainable. You do not have it. You're still in the process of acquiring it. So I think you have to be patient. On, on uh, just a side note, for you to expose yourself in that note tells a lot about yourself. It's a really amazing thing. I read the note, I said, wow, what a guy that guy is. I mean, most of us would hide. You didn't hide. You know, you're you're on the radio, you teach children, you're to kids, and, and you're with with adults. And, uh, you know, to expose yourself as one of everybody else is a pretty amazing trait, and uh, you're really to be commended for that. And that's the way I look at the letter. It's, wow, it's an amazing, amazing letter for you to, to write what you wrote in a way that you wrote it, completely exposing yourself pretty amazing to me oh thank you um well and i would echo that tim you know we, we've spent over a hundred shows you know on this uh subject and you know at some point you think well uh, how are you how are you going to sustain a hundred hundred hours plus of talking about the mental side of a game with a stick and a ball but you know what people like about it is that we're willing to share when things go awry but you know what i'd say to just to, to echo what George said, you know, it's 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 you've written, we've spoken about a lot of things, a lot of men and women, but men especially don't like to talk about, which is, 
you know, they think when they have a poor round of golf and they get mad that it has something to do with their golf swing, but it really is all about themselves and how we see ourselves and our self-image and protecting and not being open and being constricted. All these things we speak about on the show are all these things that are happening to you right now because of this ridiculous game. And that's why I said at the beginning, this started with you saying, I want to work on my golf swing a little bit and then take it out for a spin. Well, I can tell you from the guy that spent a year in the garage looking for another inch in the plane, it it takes a while to take it out and, you know, see how it runs. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah, which I haven't. You're right. I haven't really looked at my golf swing. I haven't put it on video for a couple of years. Um, And it was the first time I kind of worked on it. And I defaulted to old behavior. Of course. And the, and the old behavior is it's kind of like what Judson Brewer talks about. Um, it, it's it's like addiction, for God's sakes. It's like I get this itch, and I'm going to work on it, and then I, I get some satisfaction. Oh, look how I'm hitting it on the range. Oh, look how I hit it on the back nine yesterday. And that, you know, the dopamine and the feeling good and all that stuff, and, and I want more of that. And it's like being right back into, you know, off the wagon and – at the bar chugging the beers down or something, you know, whatever way you want to look at it. And I fell right back in that pit of, of just like, okay, this is what I want. And it really, it was like kind of uh, falling off the wagon, smoking again, at the bar, whatever, <laughs> right. you know, it was just like, that, oh, and here Tim I O'Connor am. buying a pack of cigarettes, drinking a beer. George, exactly. You know, so our 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 delight, and you know, uh, you know, it's great to, that that we're we're open to being you know uh, honest about this. But but you know, you said something I thought was very very insightful, and you're a man that teaches the game. It you know you you have to be with something for a while before it becomes innate. And in the meantime, you you go back to just enjoying what you got because there's other aspects of the golf game that aren't just the swing. Because in that round that you were talking about, Tim, about getting angry, there were lots of good things. I bet you did some things very nicely. Maybe you had a nice pitch or you read a putt well. There's other things going on. But And this is what I want your reaction to, George. When we get mired in golf swing, and changes, which is what brings that on. We forget that there's another thing going on, which is the fun of the game itself. Yeah, I mean, uh, golf swings are not playing golf. Golf right. swings are golf. Playing golf is playing golf on a golf course with real people and and uh, beautiful golf courses and point A to point B, and that's what real golf is. Golf swing is just part of that, and you have to take it, you know, take it the way it is that you're you can. I don't like to use the word work on my swing. I like to experience my swing instead of working on it. Nobody likes the word. But when you're ex- experiencing your swing in a practice mode, uh, it's not playing golf. It's just different. And, uh, you know, I think more of us should spend more time out there than maybe trying to mess around with our golf swings. Because out there is where really the fun is. And, you know, I can tell you for me, this – and, and – um uh, we we were speaking about another friend of our show who's also a friend of mine personally, who is a young kid. He's 30 years old. He's getting his degree in sports psychology, and he's been a perennial top player in Canada for the last you know number of years. But this has been his breakthrough year. And I asked him this question. I said, what do you attribute this year uh, being so much better than, you know, in terms of your results? And he said, you know, Howard, nothing. I can't tell you one thing except the things I've been working on in my processes in my mental approach not his swing but he said it's finally starting 
to have some tangible results. And this is a, a, a man that is like Tim, works with people. He's a f- top, top golfer. But it, it, it was a great thing to hear from him that it takes time. That it's finally starting to have some effect after years of working on it. Because it's not, there's nothing that you could do that will take three to five shots off your game tomorrow. But over time, it's like I said, it's insidious. It goes away and it comes back and and it it takes a while for it to become part of who you are. Yeah, check check this out. Every Monday I play with a guy by the name of Ed Doherty. You may know Ed. He was on tour for years. He's a very good friend of mine. He's won $10 million playing golf. And uh, Ed has uh, some forms of leukemia from Vietnam. So he's not playing the way he used to play. He's 71 years old, and, you know, he could shoot 80, whereas he used to be one of the, you know, one of a couple of tournaments. But he loves playing golf, even shooting Eddie. I, I mean, I look at him saying, my God, I, I, you know, you go out and play. He's one of the greatest players in the world at one time, and he just loves shooting 80. So, okay, it's okay. It's okay to shoot 80. It's okay not to, not to be one of the greatest players in the world. God has so much to offer besides getting better. I mean, I get that's what we try to do, and he's trying to get better, too. But there's more to it than that. It's about playing. It's about enjoying yourself and the company when you go out to play. Yeah, well, you're preaching to the converted, and I know you're not preaching, but um, well, I do these workshops, and that's what I'm talking about all the time. What's your why? If you don't know your why, then you're missing out something. You're captured by your blind spots. And so much of the why for people is is being out with friends, enjoying the outdoors, escaping their phone, you know, just work and that type of thing. And, um, yeah, but to come back again, it's it's insidious because we're human beings and we want things for ourselves, you know, even on a subconscious level, you know, and I'm – you know, I'm a competitive person, and I've always enjoyed and identify with being a, a good player. And to hit these shots that uh, that were just driving me nuts. But I have to be remain conscious, and I have to respond and be aware. Oh, I'm caught in the grip again of this wanting to get better and you know move to this within to this image of myself as is this person and that's all just real fantasy that's that's not reality and reality for me is is really just enjoying myself being out there and if i shoot some good numbers but you know i've shot par a bunch of times was my life suddenly different did i drive home you know in this state of elation and nirvana no no, but but dear, the best but, times but, the best times when I've had a great time with with some friends and had a wonderful day. Go ahead, George. I'll I'll let uh, so, you take uh, this one. Which is better? <laughs> I feel like this which, is golf intervention. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> Tim, uh, that that you that all of us want something, but there's something that's even more deep rooted. I think it's in your case also. You think you deserve something. You. Well, I've done all this work, and I've hit all these balls. It's what I said, what? George. Golf doesn't owe us anything. That's right. So I think if you could set that aside, that, that the amount of time you put into it has nothing to do with what you get out of it, uh, then then the pressure's off, and then you just go mess around, and, and then learn from your mistakes. Learn from, learn from the round of the chat. It's really cool. You know, so it's, you're it's, telling me you're telling me stuff that I know. Well, we're stuff retelling I, it to I've you. Experience that I coach people on that I've read in books. I know it, but 
as a human being, every once in a while, I'm going to get sucked in to old behaviors, old patterning. And unless I recognize it, I can't break out of it. And that's what I mean by being conscious of it. Well, let me just say something, because I've known you now for over three years, and you do know it. I mean, you and I have discussed these things, and uh, you have a deep uh, knowledge of all this stuff. And there's nothing I can talk to you about that you that you don't have a, a relationship to. But what you don't have is a lot of practical experience. I mean, you've played golf a lot, but even just what you just said, you know, I, sometimes I hit these shots that are good. Well, yeah, we all do, but it's the shots aren't it, those are swings you're still talking about. Because you know, I I can tell you, I I know you think, and and, we, and, and other people always say this to me. Oh, it's easy for you because your handicap is one. I go, it's not easy for me. I hit. Terrible, terrible shots all the time. It happens to me in every round of golf. Even the other night when I was playing with the boys and we all made all those birdies, but I made a bogey every other hole and a double bogey. So there were some shots I hit in a round of even par that looked like I was a beginner. The, The thing I want you to hear yourself say, though, is it's not those swings that you're making that's frustrating you. It's that you're caught up in those swings versus, okay, I've just hit it left. Now I'm going to pitch it out. What's the best score I can make from here? And how do I make it is a different game than you're playing right now. Well, you know what was really confusing me a lot was, um, particularly on Saturday, is that I felt like I wasn't trying to do anything but, you know, be present to a swing, um, be present to the club, um, you know, and and I would still hit these, like, where is that coming from? Why, you know, if I feel that I've made <laughs> a, a swing right, why is that still going dead left? And I realized that, oh, I'm caught back in going through my Rolodex of of what works. And, and what, did, what did we talk about with George? And I would try and catch myself. But sometimes golf, like life, is chaos. And there's days in which... Uh, life is just like that. Yep. And I think that that was one of those days um, in which it happened. But I'm glad it happened. And I'm glad I had this this visceral emotional response to it because it's helped me understand that I still have a long way to go in terms of breaking habitual behavior patterns. George McNamara is the uh, other voice on this conversation. He's a uh, PGA master professional from uh, Pennsylvania. He's also a devotee. I like that. I'm going to use it again. Of uh, extraordinary golf, a friend of uh, Fred Shoemaker's, and uh, a guy that can really... I, I think you're uniquely qualified, George, because you're so technically adept, but at the same time, you, you have a, a, a nice feel for the internal struggle that we all go through play, playing golf. I want you to just respond to what Tim said about being aware of the club head while you're playing the game. Yeah, I, I mean, I think when you play, when you've got to play around, could you stick to an intention? Could you have an intention to play? Suppose the intention is not necessarily not to think about anything, because I think that's a pretty difficult thing to do. I'm not saying you can't. Pretty mm-hmm. difficult during the course of a round. But suppose Tim went out and decided, listen, regardless of hell or high water, on every single swing, I'm going to feel the club head, say. And each swing, he did that. I mean, my guess is, regardless of what happened, left, right, doesn't really matter. So if you're if you're evaluating your attention in an awareness game, you can't lose that game. At the end of the round, you know, you're way better off than you would have been not having some intention for playing. So... I think you have to take a look at your intention and see what you yeah. decide to do, what you commit to do. You know, what, what am I committed for? What does Tim, a human being on his first piece, 
What do I intend to do for this next four hours? What do I want to pay attention to? Simple as that. And regardless of what happens to the results, can you stick with your intention? And, and that's a right. great takeaway for you people listening that, you know, don't get the, uh, the, the, uh, the chance to talk about this too much. And, and maybe a lot of what Tim's gone through and I've gone through, you can relate to. But what George is saying there about having an intention for the round that's not a score, uh, how I look good, what I'm going to, you know, how I'm going to show up. It's funny how something what what that does in psychological terms is to disrupt your thinking brain and allowing yes. your doing body to do what it already knows how to do. Yes. And that's not, sure. not that's not just for Tim, that's for you know all of us that you know that there's a, another game being played that has nothing to do if you shot your best round or your worst round and if you can play that game as as George has said it's hard not to win that. Yeah, it, it's so ironic because um a key thing what I do is I do workshops uh, for, for, for businesses, and commitment is a huge piece. It's like, what's the future that you're, you're going to create uh, and that you're going to move to that's different than the past, and then commit to it and do it? Because if, because we, if we're not aware of our past behaviors and how they have us, they creep up and, and, and in essence, they run our lives. And I think that's exactly what happened to me. I got disassociated and off track from my commitment to enjoy the game, be present. And I was working more on golf swing than, than playing the game. And yeah, you're absolutely right about commitment. And that gives me something I can control. I can't control where the damn ball is going, but I can control my intention. Yeah. George. So one of the things, one of the things um, that, when I went out to see Fred one time, uh, he said to me, the first year I went out to see him, he said this to me and he hit me right between the eyes. He said, he said to me, and he walked away after he said it, he said, you know, when, you're, when your commitment to your intention is greater than your addiction to the outcome, you'll change your golf swing. I said, whoa, so say that again. <laughs> what, 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 what? So I said, so are you calling me an addict? He said, yeah, you're kind of calling me an addict. We're all addicts. We're all addicts. Oh, Absolutely. I got my hand up. <laughs> um, guys, we're going to have to listen. George, thank you so much for being on the uh, the broadcast with us. Tim, I want to leave, Tim, I want to leave one quick story. Okay, wait, George, we can, we can, we're not sending you away. I've just, got to, I've just got to wrap up the radio show, okay. and then we're going to do a little podcast extra with George okay, McNamara. Stay with us, George. Stay, stay with, with us, us, George. If you want to hear more of this conversation, we'd love to have you. Uh, check out our uh, Facebook page, like it, and uh, download past episodes from... Uh, Swing Thoughts, uh, George uh, has been on before, so is Fred Shoemaker, uh, Sean Foley, uh, Joe Parent, Carl Morris, Dr. Ed Collin. It's really uh, a nice archive of uh, mental performance and conversations like this. Until next time, thanks to TaylorMade, Adidas, Bushnell, and Tim O'Connor at O'ConnorGolf.ca, HumbleAndFredRadio.com, and we'll see you soon. All right, we're still here for you podcast extra people. George McNamara is going to hang in for a couple more minutes. Go ahead, George. What were you going to say to Tim? Well, I was going to, I was going to leave with one, uh, one story, uh, and this is especially for Tim. Um, and this is kind of a, a little funny thing, and but it's, kind of, kind of, it's a visual thing also. There's this uh, member at a country club that's had the worst round of his life, and he's had enough. I'm tired, he's, I'm tired of golf. I'm sick of his frustration. He goes into the men's locker room, gets a razor blade, cuts his left wrist, then he cuts his right wrist, and standing over the sink, bleeding out. 
And one of his buddies say to him, hey, let's go play nine. And he puts his wrist together. And he really <laughs> 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 uh-huh. uh, that's that's great, George. Well, thank you. For be- story. Thanks for being with us today, Mr. McNamara. Yep. Always a pleasure. Um, you know, I, I think her guy's going to be all right. And, and I, and I, I, when I read that letter, I had the same thought as you. I said, you know, I was really just touched that you would share that with me. I mean, because I listen. If you go back and listen to the show, I've shared some pretty shitty moments in golf. You know, I uh, as as uh, evolved as I like to think I am. In early July of this year, in a tournament, I broke an eight iron, like just like a fucking asshole. So uh, you know, <laughs> trust me. I you know, I we all go through it. It's just how you. What can you take away from making nine? What can you learn from making eleven? And I. And it's funny because I played a pro am yesterday with a friend of Tim and mine, who's a golf professional, and he only plays one or two tournaments a year. And he shot eighty two yesterday, and his name went up on the board with all the other pros. And I can imagine that that was kind of what for some people would have been a kind of a shitty experience. But he's so good about it. I'm talking about Casey. He's so. Oh yeah. He's so connected to just. This is what's happening, and he he just and he embraces it in a way that I don't know a lot of people could. Yeah, absolutely. And I love George what you said in terms of your story about Fred addiction. Yeah, you, that's what you're talking about. So, and and that's what I'm linking to behavior is that I'm so addicted to this uh, image I had. Of my, I carried like since I was a little kid, catting at Sunningdale you know, golf club, catting for these scratch golfers. went, I want to be this guy. I want to hit every fairway. I want to hit every green. Of course they didn't, but that's what became my thing that I was addicted to and why I would hit thousands of golf balls and read all these damn books. And it just, it keeps coming back. And that to me is why, when I talk about belief systems and shadows, I don't believe they ever go away. They come back up in our weak moments and they have us. And this has helped me to become more conscious. Oh, yeah, this can happen to me. So if I keep it in front of me, oh, yeah, then I can also push that shadow behind me and, and keep it there and be more of the, of the person, the partner, business person, golfer that I really want to be. Last word to you there, George, and then uh, Tim and I will wrap it up uh, after we say goodbye. Yeah, you know, the human, uh, all human beings want to look good. And I think that's the that's the root of most of our issue. We want to look at it. We want people to think well of us. And well, if we let that go, your buddy Casey, the golf pro. I mean, is he any worse a person because he shot eighty two? If he shot sixty four, would he have been any better of a person? So it, it really doesn't matter. It's it's the it's the question of how did Casey handle himself and and uh, appears to handle himself pretty well. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's where we'll say George. Thank you so much, and it won't be the last time. And, and a pleasure having a chance to speak to you today. Thanks. Guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Georgie, take care. Thanks, George, for everything. There's George going to say goodbye now. Chad, I don't know how you do that. George, just say goodbye. There's George. He's gone now. Um, Yeah, there's some good stuff there, bro. Uh, But go back and listen to this because even, even I can just tell you, like, it's not that, again, you teach people and you're a great coach and a great friend and all those great things. But you still want to be a scratch golfer. You still want to be under a seven handicap. I've been looking at that letter you wrote, and uh, there's no denying that's what you want. So it's okay to want that. But 
But without a real kind of game plan, it's not fair to Tim. I speak. Oh, absolutely. It's not fair to you to ex- have to expect it to be anything but a slow process that you're going. Like, honestly, I can't tell you. And I had this t- conversation with Charles. I can't tell you when it switched for me, but it just did over the last couple of years. But but think about how many tournaments it took me. Yeah. To get comfortable being a little closer to what I, you know, what I'd like to be, and that's all it is. That's what I talked about with Shoemaker this week. I said, I'm just looking inside of myself for what do I want from playing in this tournament next week, and and what I want. Yeah, I said to him, it's impossible not to think. Okay, my goal is to make the cut, finish in this position, whatever, whatever. But my real main focus is: can I be a free swinging guy? In a tournament, in a you know, in a fairly big tournament. But even that, what does it mean? A big tournament? He said to me, "We well, think this is the last tournament you're going to play in. Think this is the last time you'll be in a national championship. Then just you know, enjoy it. Like enjoy the moment of it." Oh, I know, I know. It's it's just so weird. It is like I say. I feel like I got sucked back into an addiction, and it like I used to be a a technique obsessed golfer i would like every swing i would have some kind of thing that i was trying to do and i was always working the range and and at home i'd be oh okay if i do this i do that and read this book and watch that video and then i finally i I finally realized that that was just making me a basket case of paralysis by analysis so i completely switched over and but it's a balance so it is a balance of awareness (coughs) of things and that's what led me like I started to hit the ball left, which I didn't really do before. And what the hell is going on? So that led me to check out with George. And yeah, we saw my setup was, you know, he said, wow, if I was going to teach someone to hit it left and fat, that's how I'd have them set up. That's right. It's the perfect so I became left aware fat of swing. It. So it kind of, you know, it kind well, of got but, but Timmy, that's why I asked you when this. I got sucked right back into yeah. it. I asked you when this started. It was it started when you started back to looking at your golf swing or thinking right. about your golf swing. Yeah. I, I want to leave you with this though. I, I can tell you, there's been no you. Well, you know this. There's no more swing obsessed guy that you've met other than yourself than me. But mm-hmm. what's what saved me from golf hell now three years in is, and and it's something you got you haven't mentioned. And, and it's this, is that if I took you to the range now and I said, Tim, hit me a low cut, you could do it. If I Absolutely. said, Tim, hit me a, a soft uh, draw, medium height. Just give me like a medium, don't not too high, you could do it. My point is there isn't a lot of, even because you're a very good swinger of the club. And at seven handicap or six handicap, the, the difference between that and, and one handicap is this. Is that on every shot that I hit, I have an intention of where of the shot I want to hit. It's never a straight shot. It may turn out to be straight, but that's not my intention. And people would be very surprised if you see the shot tracer. We're not talking about Bubba now. Most pros are curving it one way or the other on every single shot. And I and I this is I'm, I'm not George McNamara, and I'm certainly not you. But I would tell you as a player, a prescription. My prescription would be. Yeah, fine. Feel the club head all you want. But when you're playing golf on every shot, a pitch, a putt, a drive, a whatever, you just say to yourself, I want to hit it there and I want it to do this. 
It doesn't matter whether it does it or not. It's in the act. It's in the act of intention as a player that will save you. Because yeah, I still pull hook shots, Tim. I did yesterday. I shot seventy. I shot seventy four yesterday in that pro am. Uh, and I took a double bogey on the stupid ninth hole because we all went for the green, which I would have never done in, in real tournament play. But I hit some bad shots, but I also hit some good shots. But even my bad shots weren't as bad as they used to be because they had some intention on them. Mm-hmm. So when you play next, whenever that is, you know, come up with a, a process for your swing if you want. But I can tell you my prescription would be if I was caddying for you, I'd say, okay, pro, what do you want to do here? And I wouldn't let you hit it. Until you could verbalize it and really mean it, not just go, oh, I'm going to hit it at the bunker. What are you going to hit at the bunker? A cut? A draw? Uh, what are you trying to do here? Because that will take you to a, a part of your brain that I don't think you access much because you could stand on the range for the rest of your life and still be a six handicap. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, what's so cool about this is that um, most of what we're talking about today you're in essence holding a mirror up to me um because this is stuff that i that i talk with clients about all the time what's your intention for the day what can you control you know and if you're playing golf swing that's not a place where you're going to excel and so the interesting thing for me is to see how how rooted i am in my behaviors and that's what i think that's what makes me a will make me what makes me a good coach now and will continue to make me a better coach is through this grappling with this experience in the same way that my clients and other people do is we get sucked back into, into the past unless, unless we create a, a more vibrant and defined future for ourselves. And that to me is what a, a lot of this key learning for me is about is is really what do I want to move into as opposed to what do I want to leave or fix? Because fixing doesn't help anything. Well, there's and, and there's nothing to fix. You you hit the golf. Absolutely. Yeah, like, there's no, it's like George would said, there's no wrong and right. there's no right. It's just moving more into it. So, um, but, I, but I just want to stop you. You know, you're right. You'll be a better coach and this will definitely inform your coaching. It is kind of interesting, the dichotomy of the two of us, because I'm an, I'm an amateur uh, mental performance coach because I, you know, I mean, really, do I think about anything more than this? I mean, I, when I think about golf, it's not like what's going on in my golf swing. But I can tell you, I whereas I have no practical experience coaching people, I have and, and you do. But I have a ton of practical experience implementing absolutely the theories of what you're talking about, what we talk about on the show. And I can tell you what what I'm reading in your letter is is a guy that's I tell you, we talk about holding up a mirror, you know, go back and listen to the show. How much frustration I have felt as why aren't my frustrations? Why? Why aren't I plus two? You know, I've, I've had five or six rounds in the last three weeks that have all could have been sixty eight. I mean, I, I, Gortner said to me the other night, he said, boy, I've, I've never seen you hit it like this. And I go, I've been hitting it like this all year. Why, aren't, why do I keep turning? Like yesterday, I turned 68 into 72 or 74, whatever it was. Yeah. So it's, but, but I can tell you that your, your feelings of why aren't, you know, why aren't I getting what I want is, is, it's, it's natural, but it's also, you need a, a plan out of it. And that's what I mean by creating that future. But it's, it's, and I think the, the, it's, it's, uh, it's enjoying the present will create oh, the absolutely. future that you want. 
And, mm-hmm. I, and I think if you were more, for me at least, if I could get you into a, a mindset of this is a game I'm playing, it's not who I am. And well, that's yeah. how I feel. When I hit a bad shot, and I, I played with two guys yesterday. One was Casey, and the other guy was the number two club pro in Ontario. This kid, just freaking such a good golfer. And, uh, and, you know, and I wanted to play well. I knew he was a good player, but I wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, I want to look. I, I, of course I wanted to look good, but I, my version of playing well is I know that if I have intention on every shot, the score will figure itself out. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to impress him so much that I was willing to let go of what I believe about the way I play. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's why you've ascended to this lofty I'm place not in lofty, your life. As, nothing. Like, as golf spiritual leader. Remember, yeah. I broke a club two months ago in right. anger. So well, that's, that's kind of what's interesting about all this is that, is that you know, it's like that movie, you know, uh, God damn it, I'm a human being. Yeah. And, and there's times in which... I'm going to succumb to times which I'm, you know, maybe I'm tired, I'm angry. Not um, hydrated, didn't eat any yeah, food. All of that. And, you know, and that was part of what happened. I think Saturday I was, I've been, I've been doing this intermittent fasting thing for about two months. And I wonder if I just wasn't fueled uh, properly yeah, for, the, for the, for the round. And I was tired. Maybe I was having, um, you know, I, I get these kind of almost like hypoglycemic episodes every yep. once in a while. So I just wondered that, but it was just, it was just so strange, but it was also, it's going to sound very weird. It was like a gift to me that I had this experience because it reminded me how I have to stay on my path. Ever vigilant. Don't, don't wait. Absolutely. Keep it, keep this in front of me what i really want for myself as opposed to getting sucked back into the past like how many people do you know who like you know they didn't they quit smoking took them years to quit smoking. they finally quit and then it's like you see them three years later and they're smoking again like what the hell dude i quit in 2003 and in the summer of 2014 i went through an emotional upheaval and breakup and uh i was back to smoking a pack a day within a couple of months and I was like, one point I looked at myself, I'm like, didn't you quit smoking at one point? And I was like, yeah, I didn't love smoking. Evolve? Didn't you become a better human being? Smoking Ooh. makes me feel good. So listen, let me just, I got to wrap it up. Uh, but I will tell you that I'm really excited for uh, this next little while for you. You're going to be, be great. I tell everyone, uh, you know, get involved in the game. You know, like even if you're, I don't care whether you can, you think you can draw a ball or not, try to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you see a pro walk up to the green for for a pitch shot, he's not doing that to look cool. What they do, go find a spot, try and hit it to that spot. You know, like I said to you at the start of the show, you know, Shoemaker and I were talking about some people don't like to tell you where they're going to hit it because then what if they don't? Well, so what? I'll tell you, you'll hit a lot less pull hooks trying to hit some cuts. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, well, that's a key piece. Uh, just for what it's worth, you've mentioned a number of times uh, the the uh, golf from point A. Yes, and about halfway through it, yeah. and uh, great book. And they do talk about that piece about um, hitting it to where you see it, which is just you know that whole target piece that goes back to Harvey Penick. You know, knock the target down. That's I mean, right. You know, take dead we, aim. Of what we're trying to do with the golf ball, you know, our technique is informed by our target. 
You want to hit it there? Okay. I mean, why do you think so many people hit great shots when they're trying to escape trouble? I'm going to bend it around this tree, hit it under this branch, and they do it. And then when they got, they're in the middle of the fairway, you know, they they launch the ball left or right. Couple of things. They, they kind of don't really have a defined target. Recovery is better than remorse. Recovery is always better than remorse. And when it when it comes to getting in trouble, ask yourself: Have you ever made a birdie? That's uh, Paul Henrik, my buddy, always says that. If you get into trouble, you know and this isn't his, but if if you get into trouble, you don't need to follow a bad shot with a great shot. You just need to follow a bad shot with a decent shot. Exactly. And then, because that's what I think now. Like the last round. The last hole of the Willie Park last week, you know, I was playing pretty good. I brought the round back, and I, I was under par on the back nine, and I hit a terrible drive. And I, but I thought to myself, okay, have I ever made a birdie before? I pitched it out so that I could get my third shot on the green, and I was lucky. I hit it to about 20 feet and made that putt, but I was not going to make worse than bogey. And my point yeah. to you is... You know, you're starting to see yourself or link all those things together and all this practice. And then I'm hitting it left and all these things. But I and and to hear you talk about being low blood sugar and all those things. So just you, you got to and I would tell you what you would tell me. You've got to give be, be a, a nicer to yourself, you know, and, yeah, and, and, and play the game. Yeah. And because uh, that's I will tell you, uh, that's what I want to do next week. Yeah. You know, I want to make the cut. My goal is to make the cut. The Canadian senior. I want to make the cut, and I want to finish better than I did in Ontario, even if that's one spot. But in in so that's my overall like daydreaming. Wouldn't that be nice? But I can tell you, I played the golf course recently. I love the golf course, and I love going there. It makes me feel good, and I like you know I just feel good there. And so I'm going to try and keep that going. Like I could shoot 85. I've done it before, and, and you'll still be my friend. But I think I could also shoot 69. And you'll still yeah. be my friend. Absolutely. And and it, whatever score you shoot won't alter <laughs> the universe in any no. way. It won't make you richer. It won't make you uh, feel more evolved or anything. You'll still be the same guy. It'll be an interesting experience. And as Fred says, you know, the reason you sign up for these things is because you want to challenge yourself. But you yep. signed up for it on purpose. No one, you weren't drafted. So he said, remember that. You're going there because you wanted this. And when you yes. get there and all the banners are up and it says players and caddies only, soak that shit in because that's why I do it. Because I love that. I love the fact that I'm going to be nervous next Tuesday. And how can I do? Let's see how you'll do there, buddy. And, and not like, you know, I hope I don't. It's not like I'm not thinking I hope I don't fail. I want to go there and see how well. And, and, and this is something that Charles says. I want to go there to see how many great shots I can hit because that's what I know I can. I know I'll hit some bad ones, but I don't see how many good ones I can hit. Exactly. All right, buddy. Hey, Look great stuff. Thanks. You're I feel like stuff. I've kind of I feel like I've kind of been um, undergone some therapy in public. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know how I feel. Go back and listen to some of these shows. Oh, I know. I remember the number of times that you were in like golf hell, crying. And, yeah, exactly. I felt like we did a, an intervention and talking to you after the show in the hallway, and you're looking down at your feet. And I go, Oh yeah, Howard. Howard, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. 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 I hang up. Hang on. I never know how to hang up. Stop video. There we go. Now I'm done. No, don't don't download the file. Ridiculous. All right, everyone. See you later.